This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalligators. This week, we're going to talk about the bizarre concept, and I feel like the last few weeks we've talked about a bizarre concept, which was high self-esteem and low self-worth. But this week we're switching gears. We're going to talk about hurt lockers, but when they're females. Now, if you're new here and you don't know what a hurt locker is, a hurt locker is the name we give to someone in whom we store our hurts, like our ego wounds, the things we want from the future. And typically a hurt locker is a guy, like a, that ex you cannot forget, this person you basically imprinted on during, and this is the important part, a not great time in your life. And typically a hurt locker isn't always someone we want to date, although we process these intense feelings and they sort of spit out that way, like I love you. A lot of times there's someone we want to be. There's some sort of admiration component there. When I look back on my Hurt Lockers, it was guys who embodied everything that, at the time, I did not. They were humble, hardworking. I've never been humble a day in my life, for God's sakes, right? It's just really not me. They were Canadian, so they had this sort of wholesomeness that, again, really isn't my brand. I really admired those qualities, and I didn't know how else to kind of express it. So it's like I wanted to stand in their light and sort of absorb their glory through osmosis. And you know... A lot of women do live their life like this. I mean, what's the phrase we always hear? Behind every great man is the great woman. Well, maybe that woman could be beside him. Maybe she could even be in front of him. But that's not the message we're given, you know? And a lot of women are fine to be the wind beneath a man's wings. I am not, and I'm pretty sure you're not either. We are great in our own right. And so we fixate on these dudes and they're the hurt locker and we just cannot get past it. But what if that person who you're fixated on and spiraling over, what if it's a woman? What if it's a friend? What if it's a frenemy? 
So we're going to talk about all of that. But before we get into it, just a little bit of housekeeping. If you're enjoying this podcast, a five-star rating and a nice review goes such a long way to get new eyes on the podcast and help our global takeover, you know, as we're here trying to do with the Chalantrage. Also, if you have an extra few dollars, I would really appreciate it if you could donate to the fundraiser we have set up to save some homeless stray puppers out in the Dominican Republic. I am partnering with this organization called Samana Dogs. They're just this little grassroots operation with volunteers. They don't have any real funding. People are paying out of their own pocket to rescue and vaccinate and board and adopt out these stray dogs. And I was down there recently on one of our Shalligator getaways, which was magical. And it just broke my heart. So we're trying to raise $5,000, if not more. I mean, obviously the more the better. And that amount of money down there is like life-changing. It's, times are tight in the Dominican and it's, you know, it's an impoverished nation. And so we can really do so much to make the difference in the lives of these sweet little souls. Okay. No, we're not going to talk about sweet souls anymore. We're going to talk about hurt lockers. So the topic for this week's episode came from a shalligator who submitted a question to me. And by the way, if you guys want to talk to me one-on-one, head to my website, shallonlester.com and click submit a question. But she said something that I've, I've never been asked this question before. And that's why I really wanted to do an episode on it. Cause I thought clearly this is something we all deal with. We just might not have a vocabulary around it. And that means we probably don't know how to deal with it or break it down or get past it. Okay. She said, hey, Shallon. So my Hurt Locker is actually a girl that I used to be friends with in NYC during our club and party days pre-COVID. She was one of those frenemy types. She would always talk shit about everyone to everyone else at some point. No matter how fucked up this girl was, she always seemed to be forgiven and treated nicely by everyone. She was definitely a mean girl. And I feel like people just wanted to be nice to her because she was attractive and hot and had connections and always brought attention wherever we went guys would always obsess over her. And this girl created a real internal issue for me when it came to my self-esteem. Not feeling good because I wasn't able to do what she could do, but also because she was fake above everything else and she still managed to get away with everything. I really just want to let go and move on from this. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Have we not all been there? Have we not all watched some person just fail upward or just like she said skate through life just get by even though they're a dick even though they're not a good friend even though they betray everyone it's like well you know that's just how crystal is why why does crystal get to do it and yet when i feel like i do anything wrong i'm like nailed to a cross you know isn't that how we all feel it's like wait a minute why do you get to go out and be such an asshole? And I can't even have like a bad day without getting called out on it. I don't go around betraying people and negging them and cutting them down. And I, it's not even like that's getting me anywhere. I get this and we all feel this. It's injustice. And maybe because I'm an Aquarius and we're very justice oriented, but I hate situations like this. I mean, this is why I just... I'm kind of a fighter and I'm kind of a god of war because I cannot, I can't just let things slide when I see something unjust going on. It just makes me insane. And so I'll jump into fights that have nothing to do with me because I'm, I'm like this sword and a shield. And I know so many of you guys are too. So that's why I love this question because we have felt that ripple, that searing hot, just resentment when we watch something unjust, some person who's just getting away with it, even though they suck. 
I mean, for me, the big celebrity example is like Reese Witherspoon. She is the most Hollywood mean girl. Her and Emma Roberts are like notorious for just being not real nice. They're the bless your heart type. Well, Reese is. We've done a whole video on her. Like those covert mean girls. The, the sweetheart mean girls. So it's like, wait a minute. Are you, are you complimenting me? Are you burning me harder than anyone's ever burned me? What? Emma Roberts, I hear, is just plain mean. You know, she's one of those chicks who grew up so privileged. It's like, it never occurred to her that she had to be nice to anyone because every door was always open. But I digress. So yeah, girls can be hurt lockers. And we all know that friends can wound us just as much as guys do. And it's actually usually worse when we get hurt by a friend because we don't believe that they should. Fundamentally, friends aren't supposed to hurt us. We expect bullshit from a guy, but not from a friend, right? But look, if we know that hurt lockers are rooted in some sort of envy, that it's not always someone we want to date per se, but someone we want to be, well, then of course women can be hurt lockers. Of course we would look at a woman we envy and just fixate and get all twisted about it. So I wonder if there's something happening in your current circumstances that harkens back to this chick's bullshit. Maybe there's a coworker who just seems to skate by without doing so much and you're working late and coming in early and not really that far ahead of her. Or a boss that's really two-faced and he just keeps advancing. Or a guy who isn't trustworthy, but you keep going back to him. I feel that you're focusing on this frenemy because the dynamic is still being mirrored somewhere else in your life. When we think about dynamics we've encountered when we were young, we get over them because the dynamic stops, right? Either we have found a way to handle it or that, you know, that has just been removed as data in our life. But when we still are gassed up about something that is from the past, and, and this shalligator who submitted this question, you know, she, she probably hasn't seen her since pre-pandemic. She said that they were party friends before COVID. That was two years ago, you know, and she's still, she's still feeling really irritated about this. And that tells me this dynamic is playing out in a different way in her life that she's not wanting to focus on. Because maybe focusing on where it's actually happening, maybe work, maybe with a boyfriend, maybe with a family member, seems kind of insurmountable, like too big to deal with. But dealing with this bitch and staying fixated in the past and obsessing about her and trying to stick it to her seems somehow more manageable. Or maybe... She just feels like the world is her. Everyone gets to do what they want, no consequences, no justice, no real karma for anything. People fail upwards, villains get rewarded and elected to be president, and here you are, toiling and fighting the good fight, and for what? So maybe you feel a little spineless, or like you haven't stood up for yourself enough. Or there's a situation where you did the right thing, and somehow it came back to bite you, while the real bad guy just waltzed off into the breeze. Maybe you put your trust in subsequent people who did treat you not too dissimilarly from how this girl did. But it's coming up again. I find that when I get stuck in a situation or I'm bitter or resentful that I cannot let it go, it's because I'm not letting myself learn from my mistakes. I'm just not. And so I'm caught in this loop of why, why, why? And it's like this victimhood. Why is this happening? Why did this happen to me? Because we're too scared to confront well, maybe it happened to me because I contributed X, Y, and Z behaviors. I ignored red flags chronically. 
I listened to my fear-based brain and dated someone completely awful and toxic because I didn't want to be alone. And it's funny, when we refuse to just look that in the face, we think we're saving ourselves from this victim pain of like, I'm so wrong and I'm so ashamed of myself. But actually, it's the opposite. Like when we don't just call it out and be like, hey, I definitely had a role in this outcome because we always have roles in our outcome. I mean, we do, you know? It doesn't mean we deserve the outcome, but what we permit, we promote. And permitting and promoting is usually enough. But when we won't do that, we get stuck in so much more of a victim narrative. We're resentful. We're trapped in the past. Everyone's out to get me. Nothing ever works out in my favor. It's nothing but bad breaks for me, right? And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. interesting that you say everyone let this girl get away with anything she wanted, but you did too. And it's a truism that we despise people who exhibit behaviors that we ourselves are guilty of, right? How dare this girl keep letting a fuckboy back in? Oh, I keep letting a fuckboy back in. You know, we offload that self-disgust because it's easier than to check our own behavior and our tolerances and our boundaries. So maybe you're retroactively mad at yourself for allowing her to run her game on you. And if that's the case, girl, forgive yourself. Look, you had your reasons. She was well-connected and got you guys' attention and got you to the head of the line and probably always had the good drugs and whatever. So, okay, maybe it was more of a symbiotic relationship than you want to think. There's nothing wrong with saying, this person sucks, but I'm getting something out of it. Hey, that's pretty Machiavellian, and you know I am all about that. But why tell yourself she was awful and I got nothing out of it and blah, blah, blah. That's more victimhood. And that just leads to just so much more unhappiness. I have a friend like that. She is really fun and really well-connected and really rich and flies us private and blah, blah, blah. But she, when she's like in a bad mood or like her self-esteem is low and she's lashing out, I mean, she goes for the throat. Like she called me fat once. Like she implied that I was dumb another time, you know? And it's, it's difficult. But look, you can't ask a clown why they're being a clown. You can only ask yourself why you're at the circus. And I had an answer. I'm at the circus because the circus is taking place in a G6. Well, all right. I'm at the circus because we've got the best table at Nobu and the chef is coming out and shaking our hand. Okay. I mean, I was willing to kind of whore myself out to this friendship because it was a good return on investment for me. And so that also dialed down the bitterness. It's like, hey, she can act like a dick, but I'm getting something out of this. So fine. I'm just going to expect that at some point tonight, she's going to say something weird and snide or bratty or bougie. And that's just the price of admission. All right. But... I'm not going to expect that if I have a really bad day, I can call her and she's going to listen to me cry on the phone for an hour. She's not. That's just not her lane. It's just not her capabilities. We talk about sometimes my metaphor of the talking dog. It doesn't matter what question I ask my coon hound cowboy. It doesn't matter how I say it, if I say it nice, if I say it stern. He is never going to answer me. He's going to look. He's going to cock his little head, flop his little velveteen ears stomp his paws, and that's it. That's all he can do. He is maxing out on capabilities. And I accept that, and I don't take it personally. 
It's not like, well, if he loved me more, if I was a better person, if my dad loved me more, my dog could talk. No, we accept the dog can't talk, man. We just, we keep it moving. We get our needs met elsewhere. So if we have friends like this in our life, okay, put her on the burner where she makes sense. She's the party friend. Or we have friends who are the opposite. They're great one-on-one. -on -one. You take them to a party, they are combat ineffective. And you're babysitting them and they're having a weird freak out at the punch bowl. You're like, holy shit, I got to get you out of here. Okay, they belong in a lane too. When we think about it, there's very few people who are kind of one size fits all in terms of any situation in our life. They're the great friend when we have a bad day. They're also the super fun party friend. They're also really outgoing. But, you know, we have to have a whole bunch of different friends because we have to have a whole bunch of different needs met. But I think overall, the way out of this kind of hurt locker is to really look at which parts of her personality make you the most resentful. If you are resentful and bitter that you can't do what she does, quote unquote, then just go do those things. Be a little bit more Machiavellian. Set more boundaries. Play the game more at work. Be ruthless with fuckboys. Don't let your sister walk all over you. You can take just an eyedropper full of her dark magic and apply it to your life. You don't need to go full villain mode, right? And maybe if you're doing a little bit of what she's doing, she's not going to be seen as such competition to you because that is really the root of this. You're in competition and she's winning because it's like she's not playing fair. First of all, there is no such thing as fair. My family is a very old family. We've been in America since the 1600s, like pretty early on in the 1600s. We were here a long time. We're an old Italian family and we have had one motto that has carried us through all of these centuries, viam in viamus. It's Latin for we find a way. We find a way. And it's funny, every generation has interpreted that kind of in a different way. Like we find a way to get from Italy to America. For my mom, it was we find a way to be a single mom on a budget, but we go to Africa on vacation, we own five houses. She finds a way to get what she wants. Now me, because the genes went haywire and I'm a little more sinister, I, I take it to a little bit more sinister place. Like I find a way to get what I want no matter what, and God help the person who gets in my way. I mean, seriously, God help you. I will steamroll over you. It's not a great quality. It is like at work and in business, in friendship, eh, not so much. It's hard to turn off. But I say this because when I encounter people like this frenemy chick, I'm like, damn it, how does she do this? Fuck, fuck her. I lean in, I don't lean out. I learn from her. How does she do this? Is it she just hurts people and she doesn't apologize and people are too chicken shit to call her out? Now, look, I don't want to go around hurting people. You know, that's, I don't like that. But that's a lesson. That's data. Okay. Actually, people are not as confrontational as I think they will be. So yeah, maybe I'm going to walk around Whole Foods without a mask because actually no one probably will call me on it because people are kind of chicken shits. Hmm. Okay. That's data. And so now when I think about whoever that friend of me is, it just gets away with everything. I'm less triggered and pressed about it because I am finding a way. I am doing a little bit of what they're doing and applying it to my life so I don't feel so chronically taken advantage of. And don't we all feel that way? Why? Because we're fucking taught to do that. 
We're taught to like work hard, stay humble, literally my least favorite phrase. Choose kindness, live, laugh, and love, gather. I don't want to, I don't want to gather. I don't want to be kind. I don't want to be humble. Okay. I want to be braggy and mean and isolated. All right. <laughs> Some days that is just how it is. But we constantly get these messages all the time, all the time. And so when we see someone who is bucking that trend, who's like, no, fuck you. I want this. I'm not apologizing. I'm not really begging for it. I'm not groveling. I'm going to take what I want and I'm going to move on. We're like seething angry because we're jealous. Why can't we do that? Honey, you can. You can absolutely go live your life like that. But you know, what society also tells us is, oh, you're, you're just going to fall off the cliffs of evil. I mean, look at even like Disney movies, like the good princess gone bad. And it's like, there's no shades of gray. It's like they go from good to evil. And that's what we're taught. If we step just a little outside of what's accepted and what society tells us we're allowed to do, oh, well, we're a lost woman, you know? It's like those after-school specials about weed. She smoked herself pregnant, right? But that's not true. We have enough integrity. We have enough wonderful qualities and love and empathy to be able to take that eyedropper full of villainy and just, boop, apply it to our life and move the needle a little bit. Get that promotion at work because actually, no, Kimberly, I'm not going to do that project. I've done the last two projects. You didn't give me any credit. You're on your own. Bye. I'm not putting exclamation points in my emails anymore. It's all periods. I said what I said. When we're standing up for ourselves, we're not as triggered by other people who are standing up for themselves. So if you have a female hurt locker, a frenemy, look at what really grinds your gears. Like what, what is she doing? And then ask yourself, where am I not doing that enough in my life? If she's super outgoing and you like resent that she just like breezes around the party. She's not even having real conversations with anyone. She's just having these dumb surface level party conversations. Okay. Are you having too many deep discussions with the wrong people who either like really aren't gang to hear this? Like they're just trying to like get wasted on a keg. Or you're having deep conversations with someone who kind of doesn't understand you and you're pouring out your guts and they're like, that's crazy. You know, maybe that's a note that like you should lighten up a little bit. It's okay to be good at small talk. It's okay to have friends in every different circle. You know, it doesn't mean you don't have any best friends. It just means you can be a little bit more socially dynamic. So again, lean in, not out. Try to objectively analyze what makes this frenemy unique and triggery. And how can you siphon that off a little bit for yourself? And know and trust yourself that you're not going to go full villain. But you know what, girl? Even if you do, okay. If it betters your life and you're not actually hurting other people, fuck it. Why can't you be selfish? Why can't you be Machiavellian? Why can't you be ruthless? people aren't going to like me. Who gives a shit? Do you like you? Think of how you feel right now and think of how nice it would be to free yourself from that feeling. But people aren't going to like me. Okay? Then pretend you're studying abroad in this other personality. How long is a study abroad? Three months? Four months? Great. 
give yourself a finite amount of time. I'm going to be this Machiavellian nightmare for two weeks and I'm just going to see where it goes. Maybe it actually doesn't get me what I want. Maybe it really does. And maybe I've developed a skill set now in a toolbox that I don't have to be full villain mode all the time. I can go back and be the good girl. But hey, I've got this toolbox and I'm not afraid to use it. There's nothing wrong with trying on different personalities, especially if you're looking to get different results out of your life. So get curious, not furious. Get better, not bitter. Analyze how this person's dynamics and the way they move through the world are tapping into an unmet need inside yourself, then make a plan to move in that direction. Before we wrap things up, I wanna just touch on our last two weeks of topics, like we mentioned in the beginning, high self-esteem, low self-worth. And I actually was talking to one of my friends about this, and I was like, I think you need to listen to my podcast the last two weeks because she was in a situation that I think really incredibly demonstrated what that dynamic of high self-esteem, low self-worth looks like in real time. And it had to do with Valentine's Day. Now, it was this guy who came on super hot and heavy, like they were talking a whole bunch and he like dropped her off at the airport and he picked her back up after a trip and they like hooked up and it was crazy, amazing, wonderful sex. And they were going to spend Valentine's Day together. Well, well, they were going to celebrate Valentine's Day on Saturday. Now we know it was Monday, right? To me, that was, that was kind of red flag number one. Like, yeah, I get Monday's a school night, but I mean, they weren't going to go to like a club or something. I mean, you can't have dinner? You're going to eat dinner anyway. You can't go to dinner at 7 p.m. and be boning by 9 and be asleep by 11. Come on. I was like, all right, okay, fine. Whatever. She went over to his house. He said he's going to cook for her. To me, that's red flag number two. Take a woman out on a goddamn date, right? It's a Saturday night. Like, make a reservation. They live in a big city, too. It's not like there's no place to go. He doesn't make her dinner. He sits on the couch. Another woman calls him multiple times. I'm like, cat, this this guy clearly has a girlfriend. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think so. Kat, I, I think he has a girlfriend. No, he's just not over his ex. He admitted that it was this girl he was dating and then they stopped talking and now they're kind of maybe talking again and she's going to come to visit. I'm like, like a girlfriend would. I mean, you can dress that scenario up in whatever semantics you want. You boil it down. He's talking to another woman while you're sitting next to him on the couch, while you're supposed to be celebrating Valentine's Day, but not on the day. And she's coming to visit and he's telling you all of this. How is that okay? How is that okay? And my friend Kat is a bad bitch. I mean, she runs a nonprofit. She jet sets all over the world. She speaks like four languages. She's a hot bitch. She's an influencer. Like she's got it going on. And she knows it. Like no part of her is like, I don't know. I'm just a potato. She's like, I'm a bad bitch, but she's got high self-esteem and low self-worth. And her tolerating this is why. I'm like, why didn't you walk out of that apartment? Well, I kind of wanted to get laid. I was like, okay, I, I definitely get that. He wouldn't have sex with her that night. And he finally cooked dinner at like midnight. And then he fell asleep on the couch. I'm like, okay, just, no, at, cut this motherfucker off right now. Absolutely not. And she said something that I think was so interesting. She's like, I know that I should, but I really just always try to see the best in people. Ah. Now, in our previous podcast, we talked about, I use the example of high self-esteem, low self-worth as being like 
a Gucci at a garage sale. If you had a nice-ass Gucci bag, would you put it out on a little card table set up in your driveway and sell it for $2? No, you wouldn't. If you did, you should feel ashamed of yourself, and you probably would, right? Conversely, if you go into Gucci and you're like, oh, can I have that bag for $2? They're like, hey, you need to leave. Senora, I'm sorry. You got to go. Luigi, get her out of here, please. I don't want to look at her no more, right? It doesn't work like that. Gucci knows its value, and they don't dial it down for anybody. They'd rather have four shoppers who are paying full price than 100 shoppers who are paying three bucks. And to me, Kat permitting and promoting what this guy was doing was exactly that. That was Gucci at a garage sale. And she was dressing it up in a positive quality that was actually working against her. I try to see the best in people. It doesn't matter why you drag that stupid little card table out into your driveway and set up a garage sale. It doesn't matter if it's desperation, if it's boredom, if it's, hey, there's just a bunch of nice people in this neighborhood and I want to give them access to all my designer stuff for $2. It doesn't matter. Something that is high quality is still walking out the door for less than it's worth because you have decided to do that. And stop looking at that as some sort of wonderful altruism. If you went to a garage sale and there was all this designer stuff and you're like, why are you guys selling this for so cheap? Oh, just, you know, like charity. You'd be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? What does that even mean? That doesn't make any sense. Okay. We are not individual nonprofits. Okay. I do plenty of charity work. I don't do it with the people I date. I love to give and give and give, but you got to give something back to me. If that's the construct, if this isn't a volunteering situation and dating is not, hey, this is going to be a two-way street. And the worst thing we can do is dress up our worst qualities as our best ones, right? Now, toxic people will try to do that, you know? Oh, you're just, she's just always here when I need her. That's not a good thing, girl. You need to go get your own life. They will weaponize your good things and turn them into bad ones. Your ability to trust, your empathy, your generosity. Bad people will try to do this because they're trying to scam you. It is infinitely worse when we do it to ourselves. Oh, I just want to see the best in people. And I've been, that phrase has been rattling around in my mind ever since she said it. Because on one hand, you, that sounds like a great thing. Well, yeah, we all want to see the best in people. Choose love, you know, like the glass is half full and approach everyone with kindness. But you pull back and you're like, why do I need to see the best in people? Is that actually a good thing? Is that healthy? Is it even good for the other person? Is that infantilizing people who need maybe a little bit of tough love? When I have just tried to see the good in someone, it was a guy who was just failing to thrive. He was sort of anxious, sort of smoking weed, sort of an alcoholic, just not really doing, he wasn't even succeeding at that. He was just kind of a fucking loser. But I was looking at the good in him. Was he even trying to show me the good in him? <laughs> no, no. I was looking for these things all on my own. And I look at Kat's situation. It's like, I don't know that this guy is trying to show you anything good. In fact, it looks like he's trying to show you as much bad shit as humanly possible so that he doesn't have to really break up with you. And he can also gather data about how far he can push you. And when you set up a construct like that with someone, do not be confused about where it's going to end up. Do not be surprised and shocked when you're getting the 2 a.m. Snapchat you up, 
when he's on Tinder in front of you on a date. I've had guys do that. It's really, <laughs> it's not really so surprising. So while we very rarely say to ourselves in the moment, I have high self-esteem, but I have low self-worth. And here I am demonstrating it. You know, we're not answering that 2 a.m. Snapchat saying, oh, well, of course I'm going to text him back and let him come over and have sex with me because I have low self-worth. Like We're not that obvious about it. But pay attention to what you are saying to yourself and more importantly, what you're saying to other people, you know? When those situations arise, what are you dressing it up in? What is the packaging? Is it, well, I don't care. I just want to get laid. Uh, I don't really care how he's acting. I kind of just want attention. I'm bored. I mean, that's, that's me. That's what I say. I try to see the best in people. It's not like this is going to go on forever. I know that this is just a finite thing and I'm not going to let it go too far. What are you saying? All of that, any justification really comes down to, I don't think I'm worth more. Or if I do, I'm really not making anyone pay this price. I know that this Gucci is worth three grand, but here I am selling it for two bucks at my card table in the driveway. Why? Why? Because when someone offers us $2 for our emotional Gucci and we say anything else other than get the fuck out of this store, when it's anything but a hell no, then it's, it's low self-worth. That's what's going on. So ask yourself, what am I saying? What am I saying to this person trying to buy me for less than my value? Trying to gain access to this designer good for pennies on the dollar. When we can look that in the face and dismantle it and look at it, it's like, yeah, I don't value myself enough. Okay, why not? Well, <laughs> no one's going to buy it if the price tag's too high. I mean... I'm actually not a designer good. I'm just a potato. So I can't, ugh, I can't just like require people to follow through on what they say and like only be dating me. I mean, I can't do that. Do you want to look yourself in the mirror and say that? Does that ring false to you? Well, it's not if behaviors show exactly that. Of course, we're not saying that aloud to ourselves at the 2 a.m. Snapchat, at the bullshit fake Valentine's dinner. But behaviorally, that is exactly what's going on. So look deeper. Look at the excuses you're giving to yourself and pull them apart one by one. Hold yourself accountable. You set the price for that purse. God damn it. I don't care if only one person buys it. That's its value and I'm not budging. And there's a reason I use that metaphor of like money because our relationship with money is very analogous to our relationship with food and our relationship to men. Well, I know I should be doing this, but uh, I will do less. I'm going to cut myself down because I don't know that I'm worth it. We got to get to the root of these things. So if you haven't listened to those two podcasts, I encourage you to go back and dismantle that. And if you want more, I mean, my God, I feel like we could do an entire podcast season just on high self-esteem and low self-worth because it's certainly a work in progress, but that's okay. It's not something you fix overnight. It's something that gradually you just become more and more aware of in the moment. And then that fear brain that I'm not good enough, who would pay this for this experience with me? You know, who would pay the price that I've set myself at? We can dismantle the power that it has over us. You know, if we look under the bed every night thinking there's a monster, 
eventually we're not going to have to look under there anymore because we're going to know that it's not there. That fear won't have any hold over us anymore. For more, click follow and subscribe. And like I said, a review and a rating would just warm the cockles of my little heart, as would any sort of donation to our fundraiser. Link down below. And like I said, you do not, please don't feel like you need to break the bank. So many of our donations are $5. That really, it adds up, you know, like small steps make big steps. We're going to be back next week. I will see you later, Shalligators. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shalanlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shalanxo, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage. Thank you.